0: Hey, this is Ryan LaCroix with KOSU. I'm here with a bonus episode of This Week in Oklahoma Politics podcast. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt kicked off the legislative session with his sixth annual State of the State address on Monday. The governor laid out his policy priorities for the session, which include cutting the state's income tax, implementing a flat budget across state government for the coming fiscal year, and more school choice options for students. His priorities and those of state lawmakers don't always align, but Stitt's speech gives us a glimpse into what the GOP-dominated legislature will consider during the session. Here's Governor Stitt's 2024 State of the State Address in full.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, Mr. Speaker, Mr. President Pro Tem, and members of the 59th legislature, members of the judiciary, statewide elected officials, thank you so much for your service to our great state, tribal leaders. To my cabinet, thank you guys so much for serving the state with such distinction, such an honor to serve with you. To my wife, Sarah, the greatest first lady in the country. to my children who are with me today, and my (laughs) son-in-law. And most importantly, to my fellow Oklahomans. First off, I wanna give thanks to my Heavenly Father for allowing me to serve in this position and for all the blessings that he has for our great state. It is my honor and privilege to stand before you today to give my 6th State of the State Address. And I know for some of you, you're excited because that means you only have to listen to me two more times. (laughs) But as we begin this session, I'm happy to report that the state of our state is the strongest it's ever been. As part of our sixth session, you know, I want to recognize, before we get started, Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, President Pro Tem Greg Treat, Speaker Charles McCall for all the hard work that they've done over the last five years. Oklahoma history have the same four elected officials served together for all six years. And we haven't always agreed, but we've accomplished a great deal working together for the people of Oklahoma. So proud to work with you guys. Thank you so much for your service. You know, I also want to thank each of you in this room for all the hard work you do on behalf of your constituents. We can't do any of this on our own. In 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen, Paul talks about the body of Christ, and he's talking about referring to the church, but I think the lessons also apply here in this building. We have to work together to accomplish and move our state forward. And as we fight for the well-being of those who entrusted us with leadership, there's going to be challenges, but we can face those challenges with a vision of hope. And hope comes from neighbors walking with neighbors and churches and communities coming alongside those in need. We are so blessed in Oklahoma to, to have people who bring, who bring that hope to those who are in the most, some of the most hopeless situations. And today, I want to highlight Gail and Mike Priest. They are founders of the 99 Plus One Foundation. They renovated an old nursing home into a home for young women, aging out of the foster care system. Their guiding scripture is Matthew 18, 14. Even so it is not, even so it is the will of your father, which is in heaven, that not one of these little ones should perish. They truly have a heart for the Lord and they are teaching young women that their future can be better than their present. The women that they care for are some of the most at risk for human trafficking. Send me legislation that further protects our most vulnerable populations from those who seek to exploit them. We have Gail and Mike, they're here with us today, and we're so proud to have you in our state. Would you please stand up? We know hope is not a speech or a government program, and that's why we started BeAnNeighbor.org to connect people in need with churches and nonprofits in their community. Hope is a science that can be taught, and hope emerges when you can see a path forward. I'm grateful to my wife, Sarah, who started Hope Rising Oklahoma, and because of her efforts to highlight and teach the science of hope. Oklahoma is the nation's first hope-centered state. And now, people from around the country are starting to take notice. Thank you, Sarah, for standing with me for the last 25 years and being such an inspiration to so many Oklahomans. I love you so much. Hope comes from hard work, Because we know that we are designed by our Creator to work to provide for our families and to contribute to society. You know it comes from teaching our young people that their future can be bright and you can accomplish anything you set your mind to do. So what is our job as state leaders? To create more government programs or to get government out of the way? Excessive government intervention encourages people to look to government programs instead of personal responsibility. There's a school of thought called the success sequence that really outlines three simple steps to combat poverty. Number one, graduate from high school. Number two, get a job. Number three, get married before having kids. That's it those three things are a surefire way to keep families out of poverty. That's why we need strong families teaching values in the state of Oklahoma. We're living in the most fatherless generation in our history. In 1970, just 10% of kids were born out of wedlock. Today, that statistic is staggering. Nearly 40% of kids are born to single mothers single mothers are five times more likely to be in poverty than two parent families. We know that the best preventer of poverty is a married mom living in a married parents living in in the home. So we became the first state in the nation to declare family month this past November. That's the culture we're promoting here in Oklahoma and we know it works. In 2019, I addressed this body for the very first time, and I laid out a vision to make Oklahoma top 10 in everything that we do. And I said, the Oklahoma turnaround starts right now, and we are well on our way. We have gotten government out of the way. We've allowed families and businesses to thrive. We've revolutionized our education system creating more options for parents and students while also investing more in our teachers and our public schools than ever before. We've cut excessive regulations and made it easier for businesses to navigate state government Since then, it has become even more clear to me, government is not the answer. In the last five years, we've had record revenue growth, the lowest unemployment and record savings. We are top 10 in real GDP growth. We're number six in lowest cost of living. We're number eight in energy affordability. We have in Oklahoma an energy advantage because we're promoting our bedrock industries of oil and natural gas. We're also pioneering new forms of energy. And now we're number three in the country in wind energy production. We're securing the critical mineral supply chain right here in Oklahoma. And now we are top 10 in people moving to the great state of Oklahoma. People are now looking at Oklahoma as the example of a shining city on a hill. I want each of you and all of us in this room to take a moment to consider what is possible in Oklahoma over the next 20 years. The Oklahoma you want your children and your grandchildren to live in. Do we want a state that is stuck in a boom to bust cycle or do we want prosperity and growth? like we've experienced over the last five years. When I stop to think about it, think about what Oklahoma looks like in 20 years. Here's what I see. I see people moving here from all over the country so they can be part. They can keep more of their hard earned money. Thanks to our 0% income tax. I see entrepreneurs flocking here and we are the business headquarters capital of the world. Because of our energy advantage, we're the manufacturing, the AI, and the data center capital of the world. Our schools, our colleges, our universities are teaching kids how to think, not what to think. And students from all over the country are coming to Oklahoma to take part in the free flow of ideas. Our flagship universities have each grown to over 40,000 students and they're the premier think tanks in their field. I see Oklahomans who take seriously the commandment to care for the widow and the orphan. I see a state where family values are foundational. I see a state where our communities are safe and the Oklahoma standard is alive and well, and our state is thriving. But we can't let success make us complacent and forget what made the Oklahoma Dream possible, which is free enterprise and individual liberties, not more government programs. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, now is our time to shine. If we're a top 10 state, all boats will rise. Education, infrastructure, healthcare, quality of life. It's not that complicated. The economy is gonna follow the path of least resistance. Our job is to make Oklahoma the state where it is easiest to start and grow a business. So let's talk about how to get there. To accomplish our vision and to create the most business-friendly state, where freedom and opportunity abound for every single person, a top 10 state for generations to come. We need to put, we need to limit the growth of government. We need, uh, we cannot keep putting uh, more burdens on our taxpayers. Kevin O'Leary from the Shark Tank came to to visit Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. And as he explores places to make new investments, He says he would never invest in states like California, New York because of their over regulation and their taxes. Oklahoma has the business environment he is looking to tap into. To be the best state for business and attract top level CEOs, we need to keep pushing business friendly policies and reducing burdensome regulations. I'm calling on the legislature. To take a page out of Delaware and Texas's playbook. And let's set up a system of courts specifically de- designed to address business disputes. Okay, Businesses need assurances that disputes will be adjudicated by courts with expertise in business law. Next, I'm calling on local governments to join us in the effort to be the most business-friendly state in the nation. If our local governments are levying huge permitting fees or delaying projects, it will chill investments and cause companies to look elsewhere. We have to match our competition, Dallas and Kansas City and Denver and Houston to make Oklahoma the business headquarters capital of the world. We're going to be inviting energy companies to come here and join the ranks of Devon and Williams and Continental and One Oak. We want more retail giants like Hobby Lobby and Brahms and Quick Trip to call Oklahoma home. We want to keep building our aerospace and our defense industry, uh, like companies like American Airlines and Boeing and Lockheed Martin. We want to secure the critical mineral supply chain and loosen China's grip on these technologies, I know we can do that right here from our backyard. We already have companies like Blue Whale, Rare, U- Rare Earth USA and start us. They're setting up shop and they're part of that critical su- mineral supply chain we need for our national defense. If we get our regulations right with our low cost of energy, our central location, our strong workforce, Oklahoma is the perfect place for new industries looking for a home. You know, each new industry is part of something great in our state. In Oklahoma, we say, we feed the world, we fuel the world, and we defend freedoms around the world. But let's make sure we have a sustainable government budget to solidify our prosperity for years to come. Listen to this, New York they have 19.8 million people. And their annual budget is $233 billion a year. Florida, one of the fastest growing states, it's actually bigger than New York with 22 million people. Their annual budget is half that, about $116 billion a year. Florida doesn't have an income tax. New York is at 10.9%. Last year, I called on the legislature to cut the personal income tax from 4.75% to 3.99%. I've called three special sessions to try and give Oklahomans a pay raise. Instead, our reoccurring expenses grew last year by over $1.14 billion. And that doesn't include one-time expenses like ARPA. You know, with record savings and surpluses, I'm asking us all, if not now, then when? In the 1990s, we were at a 7% income tax. So I'm renewing my call, let's get us Oklahoma back on the path to zero. You've heard me say year after year, we don't need more taxes, we need more taxpayers. Two years ago, we cut a quarter point from the individual tax rate and we lowered business tax by two full percentage points. Since then, revenue collections have increased by $1.5 billion. That's been the trend after every tax cut we've passed. So I'll sign any tax cut that comes to my desk. Because as we have growth, It should be automatic to return excess to the taxpayers, not to seek out bigger government programs. If more government spending was the answer, Florida would be falling apart. The opposite is true. It's states like New York and California that are falling apart, they're facing huge Massive budget crises, and people are moving here every single day from states like California. Because they see opportunity and they see freedoms. And they see they can keep more of their hard earned money. It's not tax cuts that will get us in trouble. It's the unrestricted growth of government. I'm not. <clears throat> I'm that's why I'm calling for flat budgets across government this year. To be clear, I'm not advocating for cutting core services. What I am advocating for is a sustainable amount of growth where we we are funding our needs, not our wants. Listen, there is never a shortage of new programs or someone pitching a good idea. In politics, you're only criticized for saying no. It's easy to feel like the wind is at our at our back and we're leading when we're always saying yes, but it's our job as leaders to make the tough decisions now for the future prosperity of Oklahoma. Mm. A strong economy is essential to be in the most business friendly state, but we also have to have an education system that meets our workforce needs. Thanks to everybody in this room, or almost everybody, we led the nation by passing the revolutionary parental choice tax credit last year. <laughs> Now, students and parents, they have more options than ever because we know God gave kids to their parents, not to the government. <laughs> Emily McDonald, she's an Edmund mom of three and she sent her kids to their zip code school. Her oldest child is thriving in public schools. Her second child A boy with autism, he faces struggles as well, but he has also gotten the support he needs at his school. But her younger daughter, she came home from school crying every single day because of the way other students treated her as she stood up for her brother with autism. Emily had recently lost her husband and was raising these three children on her own. She saw her daughter starting to fall behind academically because of the bullying she was experiencing and on a single income, she didn't know how she'd be able to afford to send her daughter to another school. The tax credit program was in it, in the works. So she took a leap of faith and she enrolled her daughter in a private Christian school, praying that they would be approved for the tax credit. Well, I am happy to report. Her daughter is thriving in her new school In just half a school year. She has jumped three grade levels in reading. Emily is with us today and I wanted to recognize her and her daughter. Would you please stand up? There are so many reasons parents may choose a different school that isn't their neighborhood school and it's our job to make sure they have that freedom. You know, looking forward, let's focus on opening the door to more workforce oriented schools so that every kid in Oklahoma is college ready or they're career ready. Let's empower community leaders to start new innovative schools that are molded to the needs of our state and prepare our students for the future workforce. We want more schools that prepare kids for the workforce, like Cristo Ray, Dove Science Academy or the Norman Aviation Academy. These high schools focus on career training instead of only focusing on college. The Norman Aviation Academy. It's a public school that gives students hand-on experience in the aviation industry. You know, students can work towards their pilot's license or their technical certificates in aviation maintenance, and they can leave school with great jobs with aviation companies right here in the state of Oklahoma. Christo Ray, it requires kids to intern one day a week at different companies. So they gain valuable work experience. Let's have more of these schools and be number one in the nation in charter schools. Especially when we're already proving that they work so well. Oklahoma is top 10 in charter school performance. Not only that, Not only that, Oklahoma ranks number one in the nation, number one in the nation for smallest racial performance gaps in our charter schools. So why are there still barriers for charter schools to use vacant school buildings? Let's put some of these vacant school facilities to use and get more high-performing charter schools up and running, especially in areas with poor-performing public schools. More schools, more innovation, more freedoms. Send me legislation that paves the way for more charter schools and gives students more options. Additionally, I want to empower our colleges and our universities to be the very, very best in the nation. And to be the best, we need to shift our focus to outcome based higher education models and and stop subsidizing institutions with low enrollment and low graduation rates. Technology has transformed the way we do higher education. So we can't keep relying on 20th century education models to bring our students into the future workforce. You know, each college and university needs to focus in on the subjects They are best at and become the premier institutions in their area. Send me legislation that incentivizes models that fulfill our state's workforce needs. I Also want our regents to focus on consolidating colleges and universities that aren't meeting this standard. In Oklahoma, education freedom is for every single student at every single level. We cannot be the best state for businesses and have the greatest education system and the greatest universities. But if we don't have safe communities, nobody's going to want to live here. So I want to be clear. Oklahoma is a law and order state. We support our law enforcement, we punish criminals, we protect our citizens. I wanna put criminals on notice, you're not welcome here, you will serve time. We also believe in fair sentences, And we believe in second chances I knew I'd get the Democrats going in a second. We've worked hard to make sure we're prosecuting crimes and rehabilitating those with substance abuse and mental health struggles. And we're focusing on eliminating barriers for those who have served their time. With the efforts like the Sarah Stitt Act and our drug drug court system, we're now number two lowest in the nation in recidivism rates. Now, we need to limit fines, fees, and court costs to only what is needed for restitution. We, we need to address civil asset forfeiture. It's, cra- it's, it's crazy to me that somebody can be pulled over have their cash and their truck taken for an alleged crime, get acquitted of that crime, but never get their property back. That isn't fair. And we need to make sure that's not happening in the state of Oklahoma. In 2022, in 2022, when I addressed this chamber, I said we were going to focus on our state's marijuana industry and we were going to get it back in line. Thanks to a lot of you in this room. At its peak, reports showed somewhere between 12 to 14,000 licensed marijuana businesses, including many with links to criminal organizations from China and Mexico and Russia. Through the enforcement actions of Donnie Anderson at OBN, and Adria Berry and her team at OMMA. Oklahoma has gone from having the reputation as the Wild West of weed to now being viewed as having some of the most effective enforcement and regulatory oversight in the nation. Licenses are down now 76%. We have to keep bad actors like the drug cartels out of the state of Oklahoma. And that starts with securing our country's southern border. I have been I've been very vocal about my support of Texas and Governor Abbott as they fight to secure our southern border and put pressure on the Biden administration to enforce laws. And I will continue to offer the assistance of the Oklahoma National Guard because we know that if we don't have a secure border, every single state is a border state. Let's take a moment now to recognize the service of those in our National Guard, under the leadership of Major General Tommy Mancino. Many have answered the call of duty and deployed to the southern border of Texas and to Kenya and to Djibouti. We're so proud of their bravery and their commitment to serving our state and our nation. As I talk to people around the state, they tell me that they want a state government that works efficiently, treats them fairly, and protects their fundamental rights. Many Oklahomans I talk to want clarity about who has authority to do what in our state. And that's because today our state is dealing with the fallout from the McGirt decision. It's a decision that has rocked our state and caused a where previously there was none. But I know there's a path forward because of the success. We've we found negotiating compacts with the Apaches, the Chickasaws, the citizen Potawatomi and the Wyandotte governments just over the last few weeks. (laughs) But we still need clarity. Three years ago, in my state of the state, I asked a few questions stemming from the Supreme Court's decision. In 2021, I asked, do tribal members living in Tulsa, the eastern part of our state, pay income tax? Today, there are tribal governments supporting a woman named Strobel in her lawsuit before the Oklahoma Supreme Court, so she can be exempted from paying state income taxes. In 2021, I ask who regulates agriculture, water, energy today. There are tribal governments trying to stand in the way of our State Department of Agriculture's ability to issue necessary permits to farmers to work on their private lands. In 2021, I ask what is the state's ability to enforce laws? There are tribal governments who supported a man named Hooper as he fought against Tulsa Police's authority to enforce traffic laws. In 2021, I asked who had the authority to make arrests and prosecute people. Today we're dealing with the fallout from the conflict at the Oakmulgee County Jail, where due to disagreements about has who has authority over that part of our state, there was a standoff as a Creek tribal officer tried to arrest a county correctional officer in his jail. Three years after McGirt, we are still operating under a confusing and conflicting patchwork of jurisdiction across our state. It is imperative that we clarify our law enforcement relationships immediately. That's why I created the One Oklahoma Task Force To come up with cross deputizations and jail agreements. I hope that this task force can work to find a solution that protects the safety of all 4 million Oklahomans, regardless of their race or their heritage. And I hope the tribes will choose to participate. In 2021, I said it is critical while embracing the tribal heritage of many Oklahomans that we do not lose the fact, we do not lose sight of the fact that we're all Oklahomans. We can't be a state that operates two different sets of rules, especially based on race. Here's the deal. Things are different in Oklahoma than they are in places like Arizona. Arizona has the Navajo reservation and it is true tribal members who live on the Navajo reservation do not pay taxes to the state of Arizona. But here's what's also true. The state of Arizona doesn't build roads on the reservation. They don't fund hospitals. They don't fund public schools or airports on the reservation. They don't send the Arizona Highway Patrol to enforce laws on the reservation. And there are tribal governments who want Tulsa and eastern Oklahoma to look like the Navajo reservation. But Eastern Oklahoma is different than the Navajo Reservation and we have better outcomes for our tribal populations across the board. We've operated as one Oklahoma since statehood and it's how we're going to operate for as long as I'm governor. Stand with me to protect one unified Oklahoma. Before I wrap up, I wanna challenge each of us in this room to consider two things. One, who are we allowing to influence the laws that we make? I love how Boone Pickens put it. You know, he said when people try to influence him, he would ask himself, do they have a vested interest? and what they're trying to push. Who are we letting influence us here in this building? Are special interests dominating? Or are the interests of all 4 million Oklahomans guiding our decisions? And the second question is what legacy are we gonna leave the future Oklahoma? We need to be working for the next generation, not the next election. Are we leaving Oklahoma better than we found it? Are we willing to risk everything to do the right thing? Or will we risk the dream of Oklahoma's future for personal gain? Ronald Reagan said this. There are no easy answers, but there's are simple answers. We must have the courage to do what we know is morally right. What are we doing today to protect this Oklahoma? We love for our children and our grandchildren. If that isn't our sole focus, we are here for the wrong reasons. Governing should be about making the tough decisions, not what's easy or convenient. And as I conclude today, I want to declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm I'm calling on our businesses to serve God in the marketplace, our churches to serve God and people in their communities, our government officials to serve God by acting righteously and serving without partiality. We're making sure the next generation can live out their American dream, their Oklahoma dream. So let's go. God bless you, and may God continue to bless the great state of Oklahoma. Thank you very much. Have a great session.
0: Thanks for listening to this bonus episode on This Week in Oklahoma Politics podcast. We'll have more coverage and offer context on the radio and online at KOSU.org. And of course, Michael, Neva, and Ryan will be back later this week to provide their thoughts on the address and the legislative session. Thank you for subscribing to This Week in Oklahoma Politics. If you're looking for more local Oklahoma news from KOSU reporters, make sure you're also subscribed to the KOSU Daily podcast. You can get up to date on local news every weekday in about 10 minutes. Just search for the KOSU Daily podcast and subscribe now.